Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. In June 2017, a county sheriff deputy in Minnesota pulled over a vehicle registered to a person with a warrant for arrest. She wasn't the one driving, but the passenger in the back seat also had a fifth-degree controlled substance warrant. When asked to step outside, the passenger told the deputy to check his front shirt pocket. Carefully, the deputy reached for what was in the pocket. He pulled out a familiar-looking business card-sized game card. It was a Monopoly game, Get Out of Jail Free card. The suspect had said he had been carrying it around ever since he found out that there was a warrant for his arrest. Just in case, he said. Well, nice try, but it didn't work for him. Do you sometimes wish you had a get-out-of-hell card that God would honor? Does God's grace qualify? The church I grew up in believed you could fall away from the grace of God. The idea of eternal security, where God never disowns any of his family, was strongly opposed. In fact, it was not even unusual for that idea to be mocked. It was derisively called cheap grace. This meant that grace wasn't worth much if we didn't lose something— like our relationship with God, when we messed up. It also meant that we would probably feel free to mess up all we wanted, just because there would be no eternal consequences. For most of my years in that church, I was on board with the opposition to cheap grace. It just didn't make sense that God would allow people to continue to be in good standing with Him who were clearly making immoral choices. There had to be spiritual consequences. There had to be punishment. The worse the behavior, the worse the punishment. Fairness was at stake. Surely God was a fair God. Surely he would fairly punish the offenders. Now this is, as you could probably see, very tricky business. While many of us could kind of agree on the general idea of God kicking out people out of his family for bad behavior, it would be much more difficult to deal with the specific issues. It would always be our judgment call. Which issues should God be concerned about? What priority listing should they have? How does frequency figure into it? Try playing God with those thoughts. How comfortable are you doing it? Are you certain of your decisions? People's lives are at stake. Well, essentially, that's what we did. And, of course, none of us agreed completely. What does that tell you about our ability to play God? This was a strange mix of arrogance and insecurity. Have you ever been there? Think about any list of unacceptable behaviors. Got a few in mind? Which should God disown someone for doing? Murder, rape, stealing, lying, adultery, tax evasion, gossiping, arson, prejudice, hatred. You can add to this list almost indefinitely. What should be the order of seriousness? Should extenuating circumstances be considered? What about motives? What about how often a person does a particular negative behavior? What about cultural differences? Or differences from one historical period to another? Is there a computer algorithm that can sort all this out? Unfortunately, those of us trying to figure out all of this would have to give up on most of the specifics and reluctantly defer to God to make the decisions. Of course, most of the time those decisions would, well, you know, probably quite closely mirror our own. Right. As you can imagine, our personal situation was never stable. We may think that our own behavior wasn't all that bad. You know how this works. 
God might be somewhat displeased, but our behavior wasn't as bad as most other people. But even when we thought that way, there were those among us who would be quite certain we were out of favor with God. So we better ask God for forgiveness immediately, or else. Our standing with God was always on shaky ground. Are you tracking with this? Do you identify in some ways? My church wasn't the only one thinking this way. Chances are, in some respects, yours probably was too. I hope not, but a lot of churches have similar thought processes. As was brought up in the last episode, it just makes sense to us. This is normal life. You do something wrong, you get consequences. So why wouldn't God do things the same way? Well, He doesn't. Our paradigm is very limited and imperfect. The wisest, most civilized among us may seem to improve our process and outcomes, but it will always be defective. And even those who are considered most enlightened wouldn't completely agree on what is ideal. When you think about it, no matter how improved our path may be, it isn't ever going to work completely and for all time. We just aren't capable of it. Our track record for all of known history proves that we are not the ultimate authority on decision-making. The nightly news validates that we don't have the power to live out of our most desirable characteristics. God's approach is a spiritual one. His way goes far beyond issues of right and wrong, record-keeping of behaviors, or developing behavioral management programs. It's a profoundly different way of being. It results in a very different way of thinking and doing. God goes right to the core of our character issues, and He addresses these core issues in a way that serves His desires and ours as well. How does He do this? Above all, God wants to be in a love relationship with us. He created us for community with Himself and for us to be with each other. Therefore, nothing is more important than these relationships. Yes, we have royally messed up our relationship with Him, and our relationships with each other are no better. But what if they were? What would happen to our problems with God and each other if we could live out of loving relationships all the way around? That's just what God's grace is designed to do. He has given you and me the opportunity to experience life beyond the physical. We can connect with God in a spiritual way, which allows us to live in His mercy, grace, and love. God is basically saying to us, Nothing you have ever been able to do has brought you into perfection with me or each other, I have a better way than anything you have tried or could try. Actually, I have the only way. Please come into a spiritual relationship with me, and I will guarantee you eternal fulfillment. A whole new world, now and forever, will be ours together. You see the true heart of God? He loves us so much that He invites us into a loving relationship with Him. He shows us mercy by removing what we deserve, death. He extends grace by giving us what we don't deserve, forgiveness, perfect love, and life forever. He proved how much this invitation meant to him. The cost was astonishingly high. He allowed Jesus to be tortured and crucified. Jesus, for his part, was totally on board. He was paying the ultimate price. Perfection died for imperfection. That, my friend, is not cheap. Quite the opposite. His grace is of maximum value. Cheap grace? Not at all. It doesn't get any more costly than this. When we think of the high cost of God's grace, maybe we can better understand how this value makes God's grace unlimited. That's how treasured it is. This is what it costs to have a relationship with God. There is no way we could pay for it. And be sure to get this. 
he thinks you and I are worth it. One utmost extreme price paid for eternal unlimited grace for you and me. But what about us taking advantage of grace? Now that we don't have to worry about God's punishing us for bad behavior, now that our life is eternally secure, why not go ahead and do whatever we want, especially the bad stuff? Here again, in our physical paradigm, this might be considered a logical question. Actually, a similar question was being considered within a generation after Jesus' time here on earth. There was a Jewish scholar and an anti-Christian activist who ended up becoming a Christian. His story is really fascinating. His name was Paul. He focused his missionary attention primarily on the non-Jewish communities. At one point, he wrote to a Gentile audience about this very question regarding grace. He asked and answered the question this way. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Some interesting points here. Did you see that grace is unlimited? This suggests that the more wrong that is done, the more grace is available to cover that wrong. Yes, grace is unlimited. Amazing. So why try to take advantage of it? Did we accept God's grace invitation dishonestly? Probably not. We would have to fool ourselves for that to happen, so why would we desire to continue to live in what is wrong? We don't. That isn't our core desire. When we accept God's grace, He gives us a new spirit and a new heart. The old spirit and heart are dead, just like Jesus died. What we had was broken, corrupted, imperfect. He isn't giving us reconditioned old models of what we had. The new spirit and heart are raised up in us just as Jesus was raised from death. Our core identity has changed. We now see ourselves as part of the new family. We have the joy of our forgiveness. We have peace about our future. We have companionship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We now are truly fulfilled only when we are aligned with them. Our deepest desires are most realized when enjoying our love relationship with God and His family. That's the way we now want to live. However, there are challenges to experiencing this completely on this physical earth. We are not in heaven. Here, the brokenness continues. We have been mentally programmed with the junk of this life. One of the three closest companions of Jesus within 35 years of his time on earth had some good advice for believers. Peter said, Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we have ever received. We know what it is like to grow more close to those we love. The more we get to know them, the better we can relate to them and show them our love. In a mutual love relationship, each person delights in pleasing the other and doing what is best for them. Likewise, it is through our growing knowledge and understanding of God that we receive His power to practice a life that is increasingly aligned with His desires for us. Our heart and spirit may be very cooperative in this new life, but there are strong opposing forces. As mentioned, our mental and emotional programming in this life includes poisons from which we need to detox. This is usually a process and not an event. As the cleansing occurs, there is an increased joy and freedom in the core of our being. Opposition also comes from other spiritual forces who fight against the perfection of God. We are targeted for battles designed to confuse and deceive our minds and weaken our desires for God. 
Spiritual enemies try to find lingering weaknesses with the goal of diminishing our relationship with God. This is pure evil in opposition to all that is good. Along with that, we are constantly exposed to those around us who don't know God. They continue to live out of their broken, imperfect desires and try to draw us in with them. We are not immune to these forces. We are assaulted by them constantly. There are times when we wobble and falter. We stumble and fail. We may forget our gift of grace. We may not be thinking about how deeply God loves us. But God knows we are His, and He never gives up on us. His grace is amazingly unlimited. It is so important to remember that the negative forces around us do not define us. Our identity as a child of God is still intact. Though at times our attitudes, thoughts, and behaviors don't always reflect God's perfection, in our core of who we are, in our heart and spirit, we are still connected to Him. As we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God, we are encouraged to become more like Him. The Holy Spirit will be reminding us of God's desires. Peter goes on in writing to believers, saying, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. These are all good things. This is God's desire for us. When we don't forget what God has done for us, this is our desire also. His grace reminds us whose we are. We are saints and encouraged to reflect that. But even when our behaviors fall short, His grace doesn't. Our sainthood is intact. John was another of the top three of Jesus' companions. He wrote something that fits in with this understanding of grace. He said, Just as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Give some thought to the opening words. Feel free to pause this episode while you ponder it. From that flows the message that we are in his perfect love. Because of that, we have no reason to fear any punishment from him. Did you know that? How does that make you feel? Can you love someone like that? In love, Jesus took our punishment through his death. We are now free from both. As we have seen in earlier episodes of Grace Intersect, God isn't all about rules. He is interested in growing our relationship with Him. He isn't about philosophies and principles of living. He is about the person of Jesus, who He is, and what He wants from us. God can promise us unlimited grace because He knows that in the context of His love relationship, we will increasingly want to know and become more like Him. He knows how we can best live. He knows the eternal future He has prepared for us. God's grace is powerful. As we know God better and better, we increasingly appreciate His love and grace for us. The resulting growing love relationship gives us the power to better express His characteristics. This is who we are in our core. We can live it out to our heart's content. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process grace together, please know that your thoughts and or questions are always welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or emailing 
comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.